We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select... Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. A late shot on the middle. Oh, 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 oh. The crossover. Levine. Get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Pat. On this episode, Jason, we are going to talk about the NBA draft. We're going to start our draft deep dive with my number one prospect on my 2020 draft board. That's LaMelo Ball. We're going to go over his strengths, his weaknesses, his fit. Uh, But before we get to all that, I got to ask, Jason, how are you doing as we continue to be in quarantine, as this continues to be a very strange, odd time to be alive? How have you been sort of occupying your free time and uh, how have things been? Uh, It's been all right. I watched uh, Tiger King this past weekend. Uh, That was uh, a wild experience. I know you wrote something for SB Nation about Shaq's appearance on there. He shows up like midway through the first episode, I think, because he went to whatever joe exotic's crazy wild cat farm and stuff and he was like he kind of i totally forgot that he hyped him up. i really like knew nothing about any of this Shaq hyped him up on inside the nba once uh and just recently Shaq also kind of like tried to distance himself and he was like oh you know like once i found out about all the uh like the criminal stuff that i was he kind of like tried to move away from it but there's a picture out there on instagram of Shaq and Joe Exotic smiling with like a, with some wild cat. So yeah, that, w- that was a lot of fun, Ricky. Yeah, you said you said earlier you had a so so I a wrote Joe about Exotic it. Story, yeah, yeah. So I just wrote about it because you know what else is a sports writer to do when in a world without sports than try to find something people care about? So uh, I watched Tiger King. I loved it. 
And, you know, when I was done, I I thought, you know, I wonder if there's any way to find an angle into making this about sports. We did one story ranking all the characters by their level of outrageousness. I had a freelancer do that. And then when it was time for me to write something, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write about Shaq. So I did a bunch of research and found a ton of old local TV interviews in Oklahoma from 2014, 2016, I think 2018. And uh, I basically put together an article just with everything I could find on the internet about Shaq and Joe Exotic. So when we were, you know, after I finished the story, the headline they put on it was like, uh, you know, behind Shaq's decade-long relationship with Joe Exotic of Tiger King or whatever. And uh, in the story, I have a quote from Joe Exotic where he says that Shaq had, you know, he had met Shaq. Shaq had been coming to his zoo over the last eight years. They'd probably met 11 or 12 times. And I, like, put that in the story and linked out to it and all that. Well, after we published the story and tweeted it out, Shaq sent us a very angry DM uh, to the SB Nation account where he said, only met him once, stop posting shit for clickbait. I like tigers. We have no relationships. I visited his, his, I visited his zoo twice, only seen him once, only going to tell you to stop using my name for clickbait. Uh, so, you know, my favorite part of that message is I like tigers because that had to stand alone (laughs) and Shaq does like tigers. That is true. So that was kind of funny. I haven't been yelled at by Shaq before. Uh, and we did change the headline on it and looking back on it now, perhaps Joe Exotic, not the most truthful narrator of the story. If he said he met him 11 or 12 times, I quoted it. I linked it. Uh, so I did have my attribution in there, but you know, I, I think that I'm not, I don't really blame Shaq. If Shaq says he only met him once or twice, like Shaq is probably more honest and more reliable than Joe Exotic is. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, I can't really imagine Shaq going there like double digit times. Like that's absolutely wild. Like, he obviously was there the one time. Uh, he said he like, yeah, he like donated or whatever, or, like was helping some of the Tigers. And he, like you said, he loves Tigers. Uh, yeah, Joe Exotic, absolute wild man. Ran, ran for president, ran for governor. Uh, if you haven't, please do watch Tiger King on, on Netflix. Absolutely, just bonkers stuff. Um, but let's let's uh, besides that, let's let's go into what we were, we were want to do this podcast about. And that is Lamelo Ball again. Uh, we are going to talk some NBA draft. We're going to do this since we are in quarantine still for probably a while. Who know who knows what's going to happen with the NBA draft and the and the pre draft process? But we're going to go through and do at least for some of our episodes. We're going to do some some draft profiles, and today will be Lamelo Ball who is number one on Ricky's board right now. I think at ESPN, he's number two. Uh, obviously, we know all about the Ball family um, with Lonzo's in the league and LeVar Ball is crazy, and then there's LiAngelo Ball as well. But LaMelo Ball, uh, again, possible number one pick in this draft. We do know this draft is weak. We've talked about LaMelo a bit uh, on this podcast before, but we're going to focus the rest of this podcast just on LaMelo, uh, some strengths and weaknesses, his fit with the Bulls. Uh, I guess just general background on him besides him being part of the ball family ball in the family and all that he is a six like six 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 seven if you look at different places it's uh his uh height i'm not sure if he's actually officially been been uh sized yet but uh, six 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 seven so he's got great size for a point guard he's a bit thin 180 190 again depending on where you look uh again i told you he's number one on, on ricky's latest mock gary Parrish just did of mock on cbs today i saw he's number one there again he's number two on the espn board 
Uh, he played in Australia, so he d- took a he's taking a very unique path that he, in the NBA. He played 12 games in Australia before a foot, I believe it was a foot injury, sidelined him. Uh, he put up pretty solid like overall numbers. If you look at his base stats, uh, 17 points a game, uh, 7.6 rebounds, 6.8 assists, 1.6 steals. His shooting numbers are atrocious, 37.5%. Uh, overall, 25% from three. Uh, he shot a decent 72% from the line, so at least that part is... We know Lonzo Ball has had his shooting issues as well, but he was also a terrible free-throw shooter. At least LaMelo shot free-throws pretty well, playing with the Illawarra, I believe it was the Hawks in Australia. Again, that was 12 games. So now Ricky will give us a bit more of an in-depth scouting report on LaMelo Ball. Let's start with those strengths. What makes Why is LaMelo Ball viewed as possibly the number one draft prospect in the 2020 draft? All right, we'll just go down the list. So on the list of pros, we'll start with his age. He's one of the youngest prospects in this draft, born August 22nd, 2001. So we are approaching the time where NBA players will be born post 9-11. So you can wrap your brain around that. Uh, So Melo, one of the youngest prospects in this class. If you want to compare that to someone like Cole Anthony, whereas Melo was born August 22nd, 2001, Cole Anthony was born May 15th, 2000. They were both, you know, technically freshman age this year. Uh, But Melo, I believe skipped eighth grade is is what I think happened to play on the same high school team with Lonzo and with Leangelo at Chino Hills. LaMelo played on that team as a freshman. At that point, it almost seemed like he was a novelty act. He was so small. He sort of looked like a chipmunk. He was just bombing deep <laughs> shots. As a sophomore, when Lonzo was at UCLA, LaMelo kind of blew up into a little bit of a star. That's when he dropped the 92-point game. That's when he was hitting half-court shots from the opening tip-off. I remember Steph Curry was like asked about it and trying to recreate it. This is a few years ago. His junior year is when he left the United States to go to Lithuania, comes back his senior year, plays at Spire High School, with his, which is like an unaffiliated high school in Ohio that has a bunch of really good prospects. Rocket Watts, if anyone uh, paid attention to the Big Ten this year, he was a freshman guard on Michigan State. LaMelo played with Rocket Watts. He played with uh, a couple other guys there who are like high major prospects. So that is sort of the story that led up to him going to Australia, going to the Hawks, uh, in Australia of the MBL. So age is the first thing. One of the youngest prospects in this draft. If he struggles in the NBA, he's going to be one of the youngest players in the NBA the first year. So, uh, you know, you sort of got to couch everything with that, I think, as as you as you evaluate him. Because, you know, for someone like Cole Anthony, who is more than a year older than him, like you just have a lot of physical advantages in terms of age as you get older playing in youth level competition. So, LaMelo, one of the youngest players in this draft. The next thing is size. Like you said, we don't have an official measurement on him, but uh, he's at least 6'6". I would guess he's 6'7". He could even be 6'8". As a point guard, he's likely to be one of the tallest nominal point guards in the NBA, possibly the tallest point guard in the league when he gets in there. Uh, You just don't see a lot of guys with that type of size play point guard. You think of a tall point guard, 6'4", 6'5", maybe 6'6". You don't really see guys who are 6'7", 6'8", play point guard. So I think that, you know, that's the other thing LaMelo has going for him. Now in terms of skill set, so 
Here's my LaMelo take. His passing ability is the <laughs> single best skill that anyone in this draft class has. It's better than Anthony Edwards' explosiveness. It's better than Isaac Okoro's defensive versatility. It's better than Killian Hayes' pick-and-roll ability. So LaMelo has super elite passing ability, and that goes hand-in-hand with his other great skill, and that's an elite handle. So what you see about LaMelo Ball is that he plays with so much creativity and so much, like, off-the-cuff, like, ways to attack. Like, I said on the last podcast that LaMelo doesn't pass to open guys. He passes guys open. To take that a step further, like, he throws passes that no one else in the world would throw, especially in, like, transition situations. Even after made baskets, you'll see him launch a really ambitious outlet pass. You'll see him sort of, like weight the timing on his drives to sort of link up with a cutter to hit them with a backdoor pass. He'll be able to throw passes with either hand. Uh, So he's a really creative player. He's a really ambitious player as a passer. But don't think that that doesn't mean he can't make the simple read because he can make the simple read too. If you're talking about like pick and roll, skip packs to the corner, either hand, LaMelo's got that. And I think, you know, his height plays into that. The fact that he really has the ball on a string which is a rare, rare skill for a young player. I think he probably has the tightest tightest handle of anyone in this draft class as well. He almost reminds me a little bit of Jamal Crawford in terms of his ability to like put the ball through his legs a few times, get the defense going one way and break it the other way. He doesn't have the quickest first step, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the fact that he's a threat to dribble and to pass with both hands, the fact that he has the ball on a string when he's probing the defense, and that he is such a creative, such a brilliant passer, uh, I think that that is really kind of like the main selling point for him. Like I was watching a game this year. He was playing against R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton was another five-star American recruit who went to the NBL to play this year he played for the new zealand breakers and when they were matching up against each other lamello had one possession where he was kind of in a pickle he had nowhere to go there was no one open so he threw the ball off the backboard to himself <laughs> grabbed it turned around to fire to his teammate for a wide open three you're just not going to see anyone else do something like that and yes it is a high risk high reward style of play but uh you know you talk about the phrase basketball genius you talk about the phrase savant and those are things that match with lamello ball uh some other positives so while he did not convert efficiently as a scorer i do think he has good touch around the basket around the paint within like seven or eight feet on floaters maybe even a little in closer than that uh so you know i think that like the ball leaving his hand he has touch as a shooter especially on floaters that's going to help him uh, is a scorer in the NBA. And and then I think the last thing I wanted to say in terms of pros with him is just sort of how he attacks in offbeat rhythms. Like, in basketball, there's kind of like a style and a beat to which the offense and the defense play each other. And what makes LaMelo so hard to prepare for is he's doing shit no one's ever seen before in terms of how he attacks the defense, how he passes. Uh, so I think that th- those are his strengths. Interesting. All right, before we go into talk about more of that and talk about some of his weaknesses and, and his fit on the Bulls, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Currently, no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner sells hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. 
We let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. So visit BetOnline's website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And be sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. It's BetOnline, your online wagering experts, BetOnline.ag. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, as you just heard, brought to you by betonline.ag, part of the Blue Wire Network here. Uh, We are talking about LaMelo Ball. You just heard Ricky talk about some of his biggest strengths and why he is arguably the best prospect in this draft. Again, it is a weak draft, but he is possibly, he could possibly go number one. Uh, We we have not, we've hammered this before, but the Bulls, again, they have the number, they are at number seven in the lottery, uh, the Tankathon standings right now, which would put them, let me pull up those lottery odds, that is a a 7.5% chance at the number one pick, 32.32% at top four. So again, this is if the Bulls get lucky and get the number one pick. If you're thinking about looking at LaMelo Ball, again, you just heard some of the strengths, the passing, the playmaking, the court, the basketball genius stuff. Let's now talk about some of his his weaknesses. What would you say is his bi- biggest weakness, what he has to work on the most, and then just some of his other flaws? So his biggest weakness is probably that he's physically weak. Uh, he's listed, you know, at 6'7", 180 on most of the profiles you find. So that is really skinny. I do think he is the frame to add weight as he gets older. If you look at pictures of LeVar when he was about LaMelo's age, LeVar was like ultra jacked. And while Lonzo, I think, had kind of skinny shoulders and a skinnier frame, I do think that LaMelo will have the opportunity to put on muscle as he gets older. But... Right now, he's weak as hell, and that's not just like he has small arms. It's like core strength, lower body strength, all these things that sort of make you a functional athlete. I think LaMelo Ball is lacking. He's really going to have to get serious in the weight room, and he's going to have to get on like you know a disciplined diet and disciplined weightlifting program uh, because right now, I mean, he will probably be one of the weakest players in the NBA, like right there with Trey Young and some of those other guys uh, from the jump. Now, you know... John Morant was also, this was on John Morant's scouting report on his cons list last year too, and we know that as a teenager, he was great as a rookie. John Morant probably bench presses about as much as you and I do, Jason, (laughs) Uh, and he was still awesome. He dominated the NBA So as a rookie, so uh, not necessarily a death sentence to be physically weak as an 18-year-old coming into the NBA, but LaMelo is really physically weak, and he's going to need to improve his core strength, his lower body strength. Uh, most specifically, and I do think he has an avenue to put on weight as he gets older. Uh, next thing, defense. His defense will remind you of like when James Harden kept getting spotlighted for how shitty his defense is, <laughs> oh, right? No. Like once you see how bad LaMelo Ball's defense is, it's hard to watch anything else and it's hard to take your mind off of it. Uh, it's lazy. It's undisciplined. It's opportunistic in both a good and a bad sense. He actually had a steal rate of 2.4, which is pretty damn high. Typically, in the NCAA level, at least, if you have a 2.5 steal rate or higher, that's supposed to be a very positive indicator of how you'll translate to the pros. Well, Mello playing against professionals in Australia at a 2.4 steal rate, so that is impressive. But the defensive lowlights are really bad. There's ball watching. There is, uh, you know, just like getting overpowered by guys going to the rim. There's a little bit of laziness. There is just undisciplined risk. Uh, 
Uh, so I think his defense is going to be pretty atrocious early in his career. Now, to spin that positively, you know, you look at the steal rate. He has so much size that as he puts on strength, I mean, hypothetically, he could be a three-position defender, right? Like, if he if he gets stronger, maybe even a four-position defender, I think that that is kind of a pie-in-the-sky uh, take on it. But as he adds strength, he is so tall— I don't know what his wingspan is, but he's obviously pretty long. If you look at a photo of him, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a 7-foot wingspan or 6'10", 6'11", something like that. Uh, perhaps that he can be a pretty good off-ball team defender, but it really comes back to his discipline. And his discipline is a two-way street on both offense and defense, how it sort of subtracts from the value of his game. So, uh, you know, he's a very undisciplined player, and I think you see that in his shooting percentages. So he was an inefficient two-point scorer and just feel like inefficient from the field this year. Like you said, 39% from the field. Uh, 28% from three and 70% from the foul line. So you put that all together and, you know, he has a true shooting percentage of 48%. So I wonder, will LaMelo Ball always be a low true shooting percentage guy? And 55% is considered average for true shooting percentage. So if he's like 48, 49% at true shooting percentage, that's just not good enough. And that's Chris Dunn. Yeah, especially if you're drafting a guy number one overall, you wonder what his value is going to be to the offense if he's scoring that inefficiently. Uh, 49%, 48%, just not good enough. So uh, why is that the case? So the first thing, undisciplined in his shot selection. This has been a knock against him since he first entered the basketball consciousness. Uh, you know, you saw him open games at Chino Hills by chucking half-court shots as a 15-year-old. <laughs> He's really the first post-Steph Curry superstar in a lot of ways. That was an old column on The Ringer by Danny Chow. I still think it's relevant to this day because, you know, he grew up in California at the time of Steph's rise where Steph was taking these shots that no one in basketball history has ever taken before. Uh, LaMelo grew up watching that, and I think in a lot of ways it did influence him. Now, I still think that this isn't necessarily a bad thing because the off the dribble three is such a vital shot and typically guys don't get live reps. They certainly don't get live reps against pros taking that shot to help practice. And he did get those reps in both, you know, as a professional player in Australia and has been doing it since he's been playing the game, really. So uh, if he can hit those shots, it's a somewhat efficient clip. I think that that would really boost his offensive value quite a bit because then, you know, you have to play up on him. He can beat you off the dribble then. It helps his passing ability and his ball handling. So, uh, you know, perhaps the undisciplined shot selection could ultimately be a good thing for his growth long term. But I think as a rookie early in his career, it is going to be a downside. Fans are going to get really upset that he's trying some really ambitious passes, really ambitious shots. Your dad, who doesn't really like the NBA, or your uncle, but, you know, will zoom in to watch a Bulls <laughs> game every once in a while, is probably going to think LaMelo Ball sucks because he's really skinny. He's taking a bunch of bad shots, terrible on defense. So why is this guy good? Well, there's just, like, a lot of ways he can impact winning that goes beyond sort of those superficial things. But, uh, you know, the discipline... Is going to have to improve, and I wonder how that ties into attitude. To me, he's going to be one of the most interesting guys to see how he interviews. Now, that's something that we're only going to hear secondhand information on, and we'll never know if it's a smoke screen or how much we could even trust what's going to be reported on that. But, uh, you know, 
the kid's been super famous since he's been 14 years old and he's already seems like he's pretty rich uh just given his upbringing given the fact that i think he got a million dollar contract to play in australia uh so we'll see like what his attitude is like how he carries himself is he gonna be able to blend into a locker room full of 30 year old veterans i think that that's a big question mark uh and sort of the general idea on Lamelo to wrap this up is that the reason I have him as my number one prospect is because I think he has the highest ceiling of anyone in this draft. And the reason to be scared of drafting him number one overall is that he has a pretty low floor. Like if you were comparing him to Anthony Edwards, I think that LaMelo has a higher ceiling because he has a much better feel for the game. He has much higher basketball IQ. And I think he has a much lower floor because he might be a guy who's a 50% true shooting guy. He might be someone who's terrible on defense, who's often taking bad shots. Uh, So to me, that's kind of a swing for the fences pick. And the guy he sort of reminds me of in this bizarro analogy is Tyrus Thomas where I thought Tyrus Thomas had a lot of positive indicators as a college player I really liked the Tyrus Thomas draft pick back in the day I mean what what year was that oh six so I was like 19 years old at the time I was an idiot I'm still an idiot I definitely was when I was 19 but like you know if we're talking about if you have above a 2.5 steal rate or whatever block rate uh, there's, you know, these indicators at the college level that are supposed to translate well to the NBA. Tyrus Thomas had those. But what was Tyrus Thomas's ultimate downfall, I think, was that he was pretty undisciplined. He wasn't really prepared for the league mentally. Now, I don't really know how much of this is true or how much of it is just the narrative bullshit of it. But, uh, you know, Tyrus did not have a great NBA career. He did rebound a little bit when he went to the Bobcats later in his career. But certainly as a draft pick, he was a bust for getting picked number four overall. So uh, he he does kind of remind me of Tyrus in that I think it's a swing for the fences pick. Sometimes the swing for the fences pick is going to make you look like a genius, and sometimes it's going to blow up in your face and make you look like an idiot. So I think LaMelo, high ceiling, low floor. So I guess coming out, just like how would you compare him? I know they're pr- kind of different players, but they have some of the similar strengths and weaknesses. Just his brother, like ceiling wise like would coming i know you love you loved lonzo i love lonzo, still, yeah. like like if they were both in the same draft right now who would you take yeah i'd probably take lonzo because i think with lonzo you just know what you have and lonzo is a pretty yeah. good nba player already he made big strides this year i think he's going to continue to get better and i think that you know lonzo is perfect next to zion i think that those two guys together can be really good for new orleans but there's no doubt that like lonzo ball first of all shouldn't have been drafted over jason tatum you can argue yeah. whether or not he should have been drafted over uh jonathan isaac or some of the other guys in that draft like mark and in uh you know you could go down the list so i think that lonzo has been a little bit of a disappointment thus far but i'm still high on lonzo's career i know that some people are not who are listening to this uh, so if I had to choose between the two of them, I would take Lonzo because he's safer. I do think LaMelo has greater upside because I think LaMelo is a much more natural shooter off the dribble. I think LaMelo is yeah. bigger, and I think that LaMelo has every bit of Lonzo's genius as a passer and maybe even a little bit greater genius. Uh, I think that LaMelo is also stronger attacking the basket, which is an area that Lonzo has really struggled at even when he got up to UCLA since he's been in the league. Like, Lonzo's not getting to the free throw line very much. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I think that LaMelo will be a little bit better in terms of being able to score at the rim and attacking in the paint as a scorer 
than Lonzo has been. And I think he might be a little bit better passer and ball handler too. So that's how I break it down. Yeah. Uh, do you have any concerns about the LeVar ball thing? I know like there was a, a Rick Buecher did this whole, uh, he had a whole feature on Bleacher Report this last week about this, because this draft, this whole draft process can be super weird. Uh, obviously with coronavirus stuff happening and like they, there were some good quotes, about how this can like separate like good organizations and all that. And because like, Again, pre-draft process, like, who knows what's going to happen with the Combine? And with you mentioned, like, interviewing, like, we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, and, like, the LeVar Ball thing, he was called – some like, the GM called him, like, a wild card. Like, obviously, there was – like a, LeVar was obviously very, very loud when he first came – when Lonzo first came in the league and was making all the brash proclamations and all that. He's kind of – he's had – he said some stuff recently. He did respond to that wild card thing. He said he shouldn't be considered baggage. And, again, he's been – he's kind of been more low-key, I think – once Lonzo kind of wasn't as good as he was hyping, and once he got traded to the Pelicans, he kind of went back in the shadows. But obviously, if Lamelo goes number one, or depending on where he goes, like, would you do you have any concerns about the Lavar thing, or do you think that's just overblown? I think point? it's overblown. I don't think that he's going to end up being a huge distraction. I mean, when you get in the league, NBA teams just don't put up with that bullshit, yeah. and you hear it all the time in AAU, where you hear guys' dads are. You know, a lot to handle with, and certain college programs don't want to deal, don't want to recruit a kid because his dad is a pain in the ass. You don't really hear that in the NBA because these are professionals, these are grown men, it's a billion dollar business. Uh, so, no, I'm not too worried about the LeVar factor and the LaMelo evaluation. All right. Well, as we finish up here, if the Bulls do, if they did, or I guess if they're looking to take him, they get the number one pick, or they get into the top three and they have a chance to take him, just the fit on the Bulls. They obviously, they have Kobe, they just drafted Kobe White. They have Zach Levine under contract for a few more years. I believe they could look to extend Zach if they wanted to this offseason. I don't know why they would do that, but basically they have Kobe White and Zach Levine there. So then they, they're looking at drafting LaMelo Ball. They draft LaMelo Ball. How would he fit into the Bulls? lineup in their future. You know, it's easy to say that LaMelo isn't a good fit because the Bulls already have Kobe White, who's a nominal point guard. They already have Zach Levine in the backcourt. I think fit-wise, if you're looking for the best position, you probably want a 3-4, right? Right. For the Bulls, like a wing, a big wing who could play the three, maybe spot you at the four. But to me, the Bulls' biggest weakness is that Zach Levine's their offensive initiator. And Levine is a good offensive player. He's a great scorer. He's the lights-out scorer. But his value is undercut by the fact that he's a poor decision-maker. And, you know, if you want to look at the pr- the proof of that is in the offensive rating for the Bulls, right? Like, Zach Levine ran the offense, and the Bulls had, what, the 28th or 29th best offense in the NBA yeah, out of even like when he's, yeah, Even when he's on the court, like, I think their old ratings, it's better, but it's not, it's still not... Good. I mean, you look at the old ratings all across the league, and they're blowing up. Yeah, and like you said, they're bad overall. With Zach on the court, they're still a little better, still, but they're not good. I think it's like mediocre at best if you like looked at their on court net rating compared to overall. So yeah, I mean, just overall, it's, it's bad. <laughs> not good. Not good enough. And then it's like, well, Kobe's the point guard of the future. If you look at Basketball Reference, Basketball Reference has Kobe playing point guard twelve percent of the time as a rookie, shooting guard seventy one percent of the time, and small forward seventeen percent of the time. Kobe's assist rate was also sixteen point five percent. Like it's got to be like thirty percent if you're going to be a point guard. Sixteen point five percent is not particularly good, and what that tells me is that. Kobe, I I like Kobe. I liked when the Bulls drafted him. I think that Kobe showed some major growth post-All-Star break. I don't know if you can really pencil him in for the point guard of the future, though. To me, 
what's nice about Kobe is that you could play him in a lot of different lineups in a lot of different positions. Like, he's a gunner, he's a microwave scorer, and those guys have a lot of value. Kobe can still be really good. Maybe he ends up being a sixth man. Maybe he ends up being the starter in the backcourt and you trade Levine. Maybe there's a way where you can play LaMelo Ball, Levine, and Kobe all together, uh, though. That would be the worst defense <laughs> of all time. Uh, but Sorry, Wendell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sorry, Wendell, but uh, yeah, I think that the Bulls' biggest need is an offensive initiator. LaMelo has the best chance to be a high-level offensive initiator of anyone in this draft, and more than anything, the Bulls just need talent, and I think yeah. LaMelo has the most raw talent of anyone in this draft class. Like, You just don't see a 6'7 point guard who has the ball on a string as a ball handler, who's a brilliant passer, who can also get up deep threes off the dribble and hit him every once in a while, and can also you know finish through contact once in a while and have some soft touch on his floaters. So I think like if every basketball player in this draft class walks into a gym and they just start playing pickup, your eyes are going to gravitate towards LaMelo, because of his size and his passing and his just like outlier special traits. So uh, that's why I would take LaMelo first overall and his fit on the Bulls. Like, you know, LaMelo's so big that as he gains muscle, he can guard more than point guards, right? Like, I think that LaMelo has a chance to be a decent team defender if he can get his head out of his ass. And if that happens, he's going to have the size and the frame, I think, down the line to, you know, check twos or threes and, you know, who knows how the league's going to go. And we're in an era now where P.J. Tucker's a center. So we never would have guessed this even three years ago. And that's the way the league's trending. So uh, LaMelo just has some special outlier traits. And I still think LaMelo and Kobe White could work because their skill sets are sort of opposite of each other, right? Like, Kobe is a chucker and he's a volume shooter and a volume scorer whereas Lamelo's best traits are like passing and ball handling so i think they could work together i think i i'm sure that there's a tendency to say you know we don't need Lamelo. we drafted kobe but i think their skill sets could complement each other i would be worried about the defensive end of the floor no doubt i'd be worried about them getting to the foul line because kobe didn't get to the foul line very much he had like a 16 percent free throw rate Lamelo ball they don't have his free throw rate on real gm which is what i've been looking at but uh you know i, I don't think he gets to the line a ton he Lamelo averaged 3.8 free throw attempts in 31 minutes a game so that's not too high uh, but his fit on the Bulls, I think that, you know, what the Bulls need more than anything else is an offensive initiator, and LaMelo Ball has a chance to be the best offensive initiator in this class, so I think he has a pretty good fit. And also just, like, in general, like, when you talk about best player available versus, like, fit doing that in general, like, most people just say you should just take the best player available, and the Bulls are at a point where, like, they can't really be worried about, like, the fit. Their team sucks. They're off. They've been terrible for several years. Like, they don't have any, like, sure, like, obviously, we, you meant, like, Zach is a very good player. Wendell is solid. We'll see about Lowry, but like, they don't really like have like a set in stone like absolute cornerstone of like a good team. So it's like, if you think Lamelo Ball is the best player in this draft and you get the number one pick, you take him and then you see where, and you see where it goes from there. And you obviously next year, then you 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 play these guys together. You play them whatever whatever you want to do with your lineup, and you kind of see where you go from there. And then and then we'll. Well, again, yeah, we'll see. So it's like, yeah, the Bulls aren't in a position where they they can really be drafting for fit at this point. They they're in a spot where they where were they twenty two and forty three or whatever they were going into this hiatus. They've been awful. They were a huge disappointment. They can't really be just expecting just like 
a lot of people just like to like take a guy and like slot him right into the. This is where we, this is where we need a, a player, so we're gonna slot him right here, and then we're totally fine. Like the Bulls are not in that kind of spot. If they think Lamelo's the best player, take him. Yeah, and uh, then you raise your hand here. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the other thing too. I feel like the biggest problem with the Bulls rebuild is like. Now, there's a chance that if the Bulls all stay healthy next year, if they fire Boylan and get a real coach, that, like, yeah, maybe they can make the playoffs. The bar in the East yep. is just that low. But I think the reason Bulls fans are so pessimistic is because they don't see the upside in the rebuild, right? Like, even the best-case scenario is probably a first-round loss or, like, yeah. maybe a second-round loss, but it's even hard for me to see that. So the Bulls just don't have enough upside in this rebuild to justify the existence of the rebuild. I think, you know, LaMelo Ball, that's a fucking gamble. There's no doubt about it. Like, if I, if the Bulls were to get the first pick and you say, Ricky, what would you do? I'd be like, well, fuck it, take LaMelo. I'm going to get fired if it doesn't work out. And, you know, maybe it won't work out in the first three years and you'll look like an idiot. But down the line, if you keep him, I think that he is the type of skill set and the type of, like, special outlier talent that could elevate the entirety of the rebuild by himself if he ends up being a really special offensive initiator, which is what the Bulls need more than anything else. So, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Like his- I mean, at this point, they, at this point, they like get, you got to take a chance at some point. I feel like the Bulls have kind of taken their, whatever, taken some safe guys, whatever, all that. Like, Especially, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens with this front office. Like, again, this whole, this whole season, this whole draft process, the Bulls front office situation, it's all, like, out of whack and just kind of, like, on a hiatus right now. But, like... Yeah, I mean, at some point when you're in a rebuild, when you're a rebuild, and you're kind of flailing, and this thing's going nowhere. You just you gotta take a chance, and if it fails, well, you're failing already. So like, whatever, I guess. Yeah. All right, so that has been the first of our draft profiles on cash considerations. Next week, we're gonna come back talk about Anthony Edwards, who's my number two prospect. Uh, and we're going to be doing one a week. So I think that if you're interested in the draft, we'll be bringing on some guests too. It won't all be draft talk. I want to bring on Kelly Dwyer. We're just talking this out right now live on the I podcast. Uh, well, I'm going to reach out to Kelly to see if he wants to talk about 90s bowls because I yeah, love that. I was going to say, we gotta, I, I wanted, to mix, wanted to mix in some, some more nostalgic 90s bowls. So yeah, it was, if, you did, if you missed our last pod, uh, Jack Silverstein was he was fantastic awesome. yeah. talking 90s bowls. We went... We went long, and he had some just great stories. So, yeah, I definitely want to mix in some more 90s Bulls stuff with it, within our draft talk as well. So, yeah, Kelly would be great. Kelly's awesome. He's obviously great, uh, just ne- very knowledgeable about the NBA in general and about the Bulls. So, yeah, that'd be awesome if we could try to get him on at some point. Yeah, so we're going to... We're going to try to do some 90s Bulls stuff, some nostalgia. I'm sure at some point we'll review the seasons had by all the individual players on the Bulls. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to keep churning out these draft profiles. So uh, let us know if you have any feedback for us. If there's anything you want to know about LaMelo Ball, hit me up on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. If there is any suggestions you have for how we should do draft profiles moving forward, let me know as well. We're always open to your feedback. Uh, and, yeah, that's all we got for you. Yep, that was our LaMelo Wall pod. As always, thank you for listening, guys, and please uh, rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Again, shout out to Blue Wire Pods and shout out to Bet Online. Go check out betonline.ag. Uh, even though there's no sports going on right now, there's still stuff to bet on there. It's kind of kind of crazy. All our other Blue Wire Pods are still putting out content as well during this hiatus. So if you're looking, if you're bored during this quarantine, you're looking for stuff to do, please check out besides us go check out all the other great blue wire pods across our network so this has been cash considerations jason and ricky we'll talk to you guys next week take it easy